Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. So grateful to worship together this morning and to uh, open God's word uh, together. We're going to be in uh, Micah chapter number five today. If you want to take your copy of God's word, you can uh, turn there. Uh, so uh, grateful uh, just to be able to gather and worship uh, our great God. We are kicking off a new sermon series that we're going to walk through over the next few weeks uh, called Peace. And when you look around in this world, if there's anything that this world is looking for, it is peace. We see it in, in so many different ways. There's trouble and turmoil that seems to always be all around us. And the, the reminder of that, that difficulty and the turmoil that we experience reminds us of the, the brokenness that we experience in this crazy world that we live in. There's so much talk of peace everywhere you go, we hear those kind of things. People saying things like, you know, I'm just trying to find peace with this situation or with this decision. There's uh, this talk of peace. Anytime a, a politician is going into office or running for that, there's talk of peace and the promises of those things, no matter where those people are. But in the midst of all that talk, there's conflict that continues to Rage, war, and conflict has filled our history. Millions have died. Millions have been casualties of war. We speak of death and we say things like rest in peace. Individually, people are searching for peace. So many are looking for relief from anxiety and stress and the, the pressures and the problems that just being part of this world can bring. We're looking to escape so many times. We're trying to find a place of calm, a place of rest, a place that we might find peace. If you look on the internet and you Google how to find peace, you will find thousands and thousands of explanations. You'll find thousands of, of products. You'll find so many things. There'll be essential oils that if you'll just uh, smell this lavender, you'll experience peace. If you'll uh, burn this wax melt, if you'll do this and this, if you'll find a, a special place. I heard one uh, minister talk about a guy in Asia was with a group of believers and they were talking about loving their neighbor and he asked them to simply close their eyes. And I want to ask you to do this. Close your eyes for just a moment. And I want you to think about peace. What do you think of when you think about peace? Some of you may be envisioning a, a trout stream and serenity of just being out in the midst of God's creation. Some of you might think of a, a beach and you might hear the, the ocean almost uh, in your mind as you think about those moments. You can open your eyes, but in the story that I told you about, those people had the opportunity to 
share some of the things they thought of. And it was interesting. Some of them said that they thought of these beautiful snow-capped mountains. Some said it was a beautiful field with lilies and all the, uh, the beauty of nature. And others said it was just this alpine landscape that they pictured. And what was interesting to me is that in his story, every single person, after they described their, their mental picture of what peace looked like, there was one common thing in all of them. There were no people in the scenes. I thought that was pretty interesting, right? And when asked what we think of when we think about peace, the first thing we do is eliminate people from those pictures. We're born into the midst of this crazy world where there's conflict that is all around and we have this desperate longing for peace. We have this, this, this understanding though as we look at this world that the rulers that are around, the, the people that are promising all these things, we, we realize that in those things, right, that we're never going to experience peace, tranquility, harmony, security. But promised long ago, there will be peace promised long ago there will be peace and for those who believe peace can be found now peace in the midst of brokenness peace in the midst of conflict and today the question remains where and how can we find that peace and could it be that peace is not found in the absence of people that peace is not found even in the absence of difficult circumstances, but that peace is found in the presence of the prophesied Messiah. Now, we're going to be walking through these few weeks, and we're going to make an acrostic out of the word peace. And today, we're going to look at how the promised Messiah and how this prophesied Messiah gives us peace. Peace. And we're going to open God's word to, to Micah chapter 5. And I'm going to read that here in uh, just a few moments. And I, I wanted to ask, I've got a, a friend and guest that's here uh, today, Mr. Tommy Jordan, who pastors in our community. Now, I wonder if, uh, Brother Tommy, if, if you would be, uh, after I finish reading, if you'd be uh, kind enough to pray over our service and uh, just treasure uh, Brother Tommy and his family and thankful to uh, to have them on, on their day off here worshiping with us. And we're, we're going to be in Micah 5 and and he uh, is a prophet in the 8th century B.C. And, and this season, this is a time of so much prophetic activity. This is a, a time where Amos and Hosea are prophesying in the northern kingdom. They're preaching to the ten tribes in the north. And they are uh, in an even bigger mess than the ones in the south. And we, we uh, see uh, that... We, if, as we walk through the book of Jonah, we uh, saw uh, just this... Um, uh, this reminder in uh, the, the prophets that the Assyrians are going to come, right? That a hundred years after Jonah's preaching that they are going to come and this captivity is coming and they're going to take out these 10 tribes. We find Micah and Isaiah in this same time period, they're prophesying to the southern kingdoms, to uh, the, the southern tribes. And in these moments, we find Isaiah who is referred to as the city 
prophet and he's preaching uh, to Jerusalem and we find Micah uh, preaching in the country. And he's in a little spot that none of us have heard of, and uh, he is predicting judgment, right? And I was thinking uh, the last time the Jordans were here, I, I wrote a hoverboard in for the sermon, and we were kind of laughing about that. And I thought really quickly, what could my object lesson for Micah be? And I thought about Micah chapter 1, verse 9, and, and they're kind of the, the Ami prophets. And I'm not going to use this object lesson by any means today. But it's one of these Ami prophets because he's lamenting and the scripture says that, that he's sharing uh, and, and prophesying this destruction and, and he says that because of this, I must lament and wail. I must go barefoot and naked. Um, I must make a lament like the jackals and mourning like the ostriches. So um, I'm going to spare you from that object lesson, right? But uh, Micah is, is, is preaching this way so that he can communicate what is going to happen in this Babylonian captivity where they're going to be taken naked and, and, and removed. And, and we see this kind of uh, message that Micah is speaking. And, and we see in this passage that we see a promise of peace. Chapter 4 and chapter 5, uh, we see a, a prophecy and a promise of a kingdom where there is peace on earth, where in Jerusalem, the city that has experienced no peace is going to experience peace as Jesus rules and reigns. We, we see in chapter 4 that there, there's no, no more need for their swords, there's no more need for those things because the Prince of Peace is ruling and reigning. They can maybe shape those into farming tools that there is no need for those anymore. And then in Micah chapter 5 beginning verse 2, we see the ruler that is going to come. And we're going to see this specific prophecy of his birth. I'm going to read Micah chapter 5 verse 2 through 5. And then Tommy, if you'll pray for us. I love that. Uh, scripture says this in chapter 5, beginning verse 2. He says, But as for you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you, one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. His going forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. Therefore, he will give them up until the time when she who is in labor has born a child. And then the remainder of his brethren will return to the sons of Israel. And he will arise and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will remain, because at that time he will be great to the ends of the earth. And then the first part of verse 5 says, this one will be our peace. Tommy. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, how good it is to be in this place this hour. Mm. How good it is to be here worshiping you, making much of you, singing your praise, giving of self and substance, knowing that you've given us everything that we need for life and for godliness. We thank you for your word read in this place. We look forward to its proclamation today. We pray that you will open our ears and our eyes and our hearts and every faculty we have that we might embrace you as your word is proclaimed today. We pray that you would anoint your servant a double portion as is his desire today. That he might have what he needs from you. That he might deliver to us. That we all, proclaimer and hearer alike, might have great benefit. And above all, that you may be glorified. Accept our praise and thanks in advance. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we see in this passage the prediction, right? The prophecy and we see in this passage that we can trust the Scriptures, that the Scriptures predict 
with precision. Look at verse 2. We see in this verse that the that the place of the birth of the Messiah is prophesied. And I want to remind you that this is 700 years before the birth of Christ. And, and the scripture said that, that he will be born in Bethlehem. Now there are more than we could have picked so many different places this morning. The scholars would tell me that there are more than 300 prophecies that uh, all uh, are fulfilled in one person, in Jesus Christ, in his death, uh, in his birth, in all of these places that we would see these prophecies fulfilled perfectly and precisely in one person in Jesus Christ. In the fullness of time, the scripture says that God sent forth his son and we see where he is going to be born. We see that it is in Bethlehem. And here's this small community five miles south, the southwest uh, of Jerusalem. And Micah uses these words and he says he's, uh, that it's too small. I love this just reminder, too little, right, to be among the clans of Judah. That here's this place that the Messiah is going to be born. Now, we would have thought that he would have made a grand entrance. We would have thought uh, that in the greatness of our God, and they were looking for a Messiah that would come and rule and reign and would bring that peace that they so desired. And we would think that he would be born in Jerusalem. We would think that he would be born uh, in the most grandeur of ways. But what we see is that he's to be born in Bethlehem. Too little to be among the clans of Judah, small. There's nothing significant. Everything about the Christmas story reminds us uh, of just ordinary things, that there's nothing significant, nothing uh, special about this town, just ordinary people doing regular things. And it reminds me that God loves to take the insignificant things, the small and the weak, uh, that he does amazing, extraordinary things through ordinary people because he's an extraordinary God. That's what we're going to celebrate next week. The E in peace is for extraordinary. We're going to see that we have a great and mighty God and we're going to praise and worship and talk about the reason that we can trust the scriptures and the reason that we can have peace in the midst of this world is because of the greatness of our God. And he takes those small things. He uses small things, kindness. He uses you and I, small things, ordinary people, insignificant, but in the way that we serve, in the way that we live, in the way that we encourage, he does great things. Can I encourage you in the midst of this season to look for little ways that you can bless others in the name of Jesus, little ways that your generosity and your kindness can be extended. And it is amazing how God takes those small, little, ordinary things. And in the power of his spirit, they become life-changing moments. I want to encourage you when you see our young people and what a great job uh, we had this morning in uh, your testimony and just sharing uh, how God has worked in your life. And I thank God for a student ministry that uh, opens the word of God and, and, and learns about our great God, right? And, and I'm so encouraged by our young people. And I encourage you. We looked recently at these relationships in Titus 2. And we looked at these, uh, this, this call that we have to, to see older men and older women investing in the next generation. I want to encourage you to take time and to speak over them, to encourage them to uh, be part of their lives. Now, this verse in Micah 5, we see it quoted in Matthew's gospel in chapter 2 in verse 6. And it's the scripture that we see pointing the wise men to the birth 
place of Christ, we see Luke's gospel recording uh, this move of all the inhabited earth, right? We see this decree that goes out from Caesar Augustus, and it appears that the rulers of the world at that time are calling all the shots. But what we see in the precision of the prophecy that's fulfilled in the birth of Christ is that the sovereign God, uh, our great God, was working and moving, and he was moving the world with precision for this moment, for the birth of Christ. Now, the scripture tells us that his goings forth were from long ago, from the days of eternity. We see Micah uh, pointing to this preexistence of Christ that uh, the scripture says in John chapter 1 that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the same was in the beginning. We see that uh, Jesus, the Son of God, is eternal. And that he entered into humanity in the incarnation of Christ. Charles Spurgeon says it this way. He says he is the infinite infant. I love that thought. And so the scriptures predict with precision. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. Verse 3 says, therefore. And so we're going to see a shift in in, uh, what Micah is talking about here. And we see him say here, he says, therefore, he will give them up. Until the time which she who is in labor has born a child, then the remainder of his brethren will return to the sons of Israel. Now, I don't want to spend a lot of time here today, but we see this reference to the interval between the Messiah's first advent, right, to uh, to his second advent and this time where uh, God's people, right, where Israel has rejected Christ. The scripture says that he came to his own and his own received him not. But as many as received him, he gave them uh, the right to become sons and daughters of God. And so we see this time that uh, scholars might would refer to as the time of the Gentiles, right, where Israel has rejected Christ. And then in Revelation 12, uh, you can look at, at verses 1 through 6 and we can see uh, this picture of who is in labor. This nation of Israel will see uh, that there's this gap Because in verse 4, we see this peace that this world longs for and that will never be found except in Christ. Verse 4 gives us this reminder that the scriptures promise peace. Now, the world desires peace. We long for that peace and the scriptures promise that peace. But there's a gap in between this birth of Christ that we see prophesied in verse 2 and in verse 4 where we read of this millennial rule of Christ, this time where he is sitting on the throne of David. And and we read, look at verse 4. He says, and he will arise and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will remain because at that time he will be great to the ends of the earth. Now he shepherds in the strength of the Lord. We see that his name will be great everywhere. Uh, Verse 5 says, this one will be our peace. He is our peace. And here's the reality that this world will not see peace until Jesus returns to rule and reign. And so here we are, followers of Jesus Christ in the midst of a world that has turmoil all around, in the midst of a world uh, that has troubled times around us. Fact is, Jesus said in John 16, 33, he said, these things I've spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. And then he said, in this world, he said, you're going to have tribulation, you're going to have trouble, you're going to experience those things, but take courage. He says, I have overcome 
the world. And so we gather today uh, knowing that we have an overcoming Savior. And in the midst of these troubled times, we trust the promises of God. And what I want you to see is that the, the way that all of these promises, the way that God has fulfilled these promises, these prophecies in the past, they give us confidence for the future. And we know as we look at the Word of God that the Word of God is true and that we can trust in that. And we can know that no matter what you're facing this morning, no matter what we're going through, that there are better days that are coming. They're, like our best life is not now, right? It's, it would be awful, right, if that is what we experience. But the reality is that there are better days coming. And whatever weariness you have, whatever worry you have, whatever difficulties that you're walking through, we trust and know that there's a better day. If you're dealing with sickness and how our bodies grow weary, right? How we, uh, we experience the, the, the breaking down of this earthly tabernacle, right? But if this earthly tabernacle is dissolved, we don't have to get weary because we know that we have a house in, in heaven, right? A tabernacle that is eternal, a house not made with hands. We don't have to worry in those moments if we're walking through those things. The moment momentary light affliction that we face in this life. The scripture says it's working a far exceeding weight of glory in the eternal and therefore we don't lose heart. So in the midst of the brokenness of this world, as followers of Christ face death, as they face sickness, as they face all those things, we recognize there's a better day coming that, that, that the, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that we've been born again into a living hope that we recognize that there is a better day. We trust there's a better day. But here's the truth. We can have peace till that day. See, that's the joy of following Jesus Christ. The peace that's found in Christ is not dependent on the circumstances of life. Did you know that? I've walked with and seen believers who love Jesus with all their heart, and they walk through the most difficult things in this world. They walk through cancer, and they live for the glory of God. They walk through difficulties and trials, and there's a peace in them that's greater than anything that could ever be experienced. Because here's the truth. See, the peace that's found in Christ it's not dependent on circumstances, but it's there regardless of our circumstances. See, it's outside of our circumstances. And so how do we experience that peace? This promised Savior was born, and we celebrate that this time of year. He lived a sinless life, and on the eve of his death, he gathered with his disciples, and he comforted them with his words. And we, we see on the eve of his death that he promised... To leave his peace. He said, peace I give you. Look at this. It's an interesting passage. We come into it with this, this thought and this truth that peace is not dependent on our circumstances, but it's dependent on the presence of our Savior. John 14, 16, we read this. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. You know, it's a season of life in my family where my little girl has turned 15. It's kind of hard for me to believe that those things have happened. And so back in July, she turned 15, and we have been in this season where we've been learning to drive a car. And I get to sit in the passenger seat, and I have the blessing, right, of, why are y'all laughing? She's an excellent driver. Have y'all seen her? No, I'm just kidding. She's, but I have the blessing, right, of, of being her helper. I can remember when my kids would learn to ride a bicycle, and there was a season where we put training wheels on the bike, and they would ride around in those little training wheels. They were 
her, their helper. And then all of a sudden they got to a place that we wanted them to learn to ride without training wheels. And so uh, I would ride along beside them and I would run along beside them and hold the seat as long as I could, which wasn't that long. Um, <laughs> and I would run alongside and I would hold my balance and I'd say a little to the left, a little to the right. And then there were times, right, that I would let go of them and they would crash. And then I would come over and I would pick them up and I would love on them and I would help them to get back on and to go again. And, and every good father, right, has that, that blessing, right, of being part of those things in their kids' lives. And, and what I'm encouraged by is that I get a couple of months, right, a few months to do that with hope. But the promised uh, helper that God gives that he may be with you forever. Look at verse 26 and 27 of John chapter 14. Scripture says this, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to you remembrance all that I said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Peace is not dependent on our circumstances, but on the presence of our Savior. The first part of this chapter, the most comforting words, I believe, in all the scriptures, Jesus, the eve of his death, he's going uh, to be leaving. He's going to be offered on the cross of Christ, right? He's going to, to sacrifice himself. He's going to give himself uh, on the cross. And he gives them this words. He says, let not your heart be troubled. The same way the chapter ends, he said, let not your heart be troubled. He said, believe in God, believe also in me. And then he said, in my father's house are many dwelling places. He said, if it were not so, I would have told you. And so we get this promise of this place that we will be able to be in his presence. And he says, I go to prepare a place for you. Jesus went to the very cross of Calvary to make a place for you and I. And he said, if I go, he said, I will return and receive you unto myself. He said, I'll come again for you that where I am, you may be also. And so there's this, there's this peace and this comfort in being in his presence. And then it, it's a future thing, right? When we are with him in glory. But then he says, until that day, I'm going to give you peace through my spirit. He said, I'm going to not simply just have my spirit to walk alongside you, but to dwell within you. What a blessing it is to know that we are not simply promised peace in the future, but that Jesus gives us peace through his presence now. And this peace is different than the world's peace. Through his presence, we have a joy that removes fear, that allows us to live at perfect peace in the midst of turmoil all around. And by the way, that is possibly the greatest testimony of followers of Jesus Christ when we live in the midst of the brokenness of this world with turmoil and sickness and trouble. And we live in perfect peace. That was interesting. In verse 27, he said, do not let your heart be troubled nor let it be fearful. So he says, I give you this peace, my peace I give to you. But then he says, don't let your heart be troubled or let it be fearful. So we have this peace, but then he tells us not to do something. And so I, we have all these things that are bombarding us all the time. And so even though we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we can find ourselves in the midst of turmoil. And he says, don't let your heart be troubled. 
nor let it be fearful. The Apostle Paul in Philippians 4 said it this way. He said, be anxious for nothing. That word anxious is this picture being pulled in all different directions. But he says, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then in verse 8, he says, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence in anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. So the reality is you have a choice in the midst of life. What are you going to take in? What are you going to allow uh, to be constantly bombarding you? There was an interesting study recently that was released from the University of Tennessee, and they showed that people over a, a period of several years had an experience with five minutes of news that was just filled with all of the crazy evil and all the things that are going on all over the world. And then another group would listen to a five-minute news podcast that they referred to as uh, benign, that it was just kind of general information. And after they uh, looked at these people and examined and, and looked at their lives, those that were constantly bombarded with all the craziness all the time were depressed and they were weary and they were, uh, had a, a much sadder uh, perspective about them. And those that had been away from that, and it was just five minutes a day that was introduced into their life, additional to what they were already experiencing, had much more peace. They had so much different look. And here's the reality. We are not designed to be able to take everything that we see and everything that we can uh, can find and everything that we can scroll through and to be able to carry all that. We're not uh, designed to be omniscient and know all these things. We're not designed to be everywhere, but the modern fix that we're in takes us to all these places and we see all these things and we experience all these things and we hear about all these things. And did you know that studies say that 90% of the things that we worry about, the things that we uh, stress about, that those things don't happen in our life and we spend our life uh, worrying about all these things and we experience anxiety and we experience stress and we experience all those kind of things. And, and God desires that we would say, you know what? I trust you in the midst of all that because I'm not big enough to take care of any of these things, but you are. And your promises in the past, they allow me to know that you're going to be faithful in the present. The things that we've seen in your life, God, you are faithful. And so in the midst of the craziness of this world, I trust you and we have peace. He says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything we come with prayer and with supplication and with thanksgiving. Gratitude is something that changes everything. We had an incredible Thanksgiving. I had a blessing of just having all my family gather on Thanksgiving Day and Sherry's uh, dad had gathered there as well. And we just started before the meal and we said, you know what, let's just go around and talk about what we're thankful for. And I want you to know it was such a blessing in those moments. And, and we didn't experience gluttony. We had a feast that day. I want to tell you, we enjoyed those things, right? And it was awesome. And it was so different. And we entered into that with just a heart of gratitude. And we enter into the presence of our God with a heart of gratitude, with, a, with worship to him for his greatness. And we come and we let him know our requests. We let him know those things that are heavy on our heart, those things that are weighing us down. We, we let our requests be made known to him and his peace. That's what it says, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. And then we, instead of bombarding ourselves with all the junk from this world, we take in the truth of who he is and we set our mind on things above and not on the earth below. We, we fix our attention on the truth of his word. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure. If there's anything excellence and worthy of praise, he said, think on those things. We take those lies of the enemy and the brokenness of this world and all those things. And we say, God, I'm not big enough to take all that. But God, I know that you are and you love me. And I trust you with those things. See, God is with me. That's a truth that we know. 
there are better days coming. That's a truth that we know. He is mighty and he is strong. The Holy Spirit is with me. I have a God. I have a relationship with God. And in the midst of the brokenness of this world, death has been swallowed up in victory. And we can trust in the provision of the Savior. They were looking for the Messiah to rule. But Jesus entered humanity as the suffering servant. And he died in our place. And because of that, the greatest need that humanity has, we can have peace with God. Everything necessary. His brother Tommy said everything necessary. Everything required for life and godliness has been given to us through the knowledge of him through the knowledge of Jesus Christ it was completed in him Ephesians 2 says that now in Christ Jesus you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ our sins separated us from a holy God and Jesus came and he paid a debt that not only we deserve but he paid a debt that we could not pay the sinless spotless lamb of God he was offered in our place Colossians 1 says that that it pleased the Father, that it was the Father's good pleasure for the fullness to dwell in him and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Romans 5, we looked at it the other week. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Justified means God declares you to be just in his sight by imputing to you, by creating to to, to your account, to my account, the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And he does that by faith alone. Not by works, not by anything that we earn, not by tradition, not by church membership, not by any of those things, but by faith alone. When we believe by faith in Jesus as Savior and Lord, we are united with him and his righteousness is counted by God as ours. We are justified by faith in Christ's substitutionary atoning death and he invites us into relationship with him and through the prophesied birth of Jesus Christ, the the Savior that was born in Bethlehem as a baby that grew up uh, lived a sinless life that died in our place and on the third day rose from the grave he has made it possible for us to have peace with God through Jesus Christ and when we have peace with God there is nothing in this world that can steal our peace there is nothing in this world that can rob our joy because it is in something outside of this world it is in Jesus Christ will you bow your heads with me as the band comes we're going to worship our great God together and I'm going to I want to invite you this morning to uh, take just a moment and as they come, I want you just to think about what comes to your mind when, when you think about those things that you're anxious about. I know in a room like this that there are so many different situations, so many different circumstances, so many different trials, so many different tribulations. And Jesus said, don't let those things take you uh, by surprise. That uh, Don't let anybody fool you. Following Jesus doesn't remove uh, those troubles and those things from your life. But it, it gives us uh, peace in the midst of those troubles as he is with us. And as you think about those things this morning, I want to invite you just to stand to your feet. And I want you to think... Uh, just for a moment, what are those things that I'm anxious about? What are those things that are weighing me down? What are those things that are, are burdening me? Jesus said, come to you all. He says, come all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. He says that in the midst of all those things that you're carrying, it might be this morning that you want to come and kneel in this altar and you may want to lay uh, symbolically some of those things at the feet of Christ that you might say, God, I trust you with this. It might be that even from your seat, this morning that you might just hold out your hands and say, God, I'm, I'm struggling in the midst of whatever this is. We know that that's different for each of us. 
that you might just say, God, I trust you with this. Lord, I know that you are good and that you're sovereign and that in the midst of all these things, Lord, that everything that God, that I'm facing, Lord, that you're not unaware of those things, that they are father-filtered, Lord, and that you're big enough to remove those things. God, you're, God, you can change the circumstance. But God, you can also change me in the midst of the circumstance. And so, Lord, I come and I trust you with this. And we come with thanksgiving. We praise him. Maybe this morning you would say, you know what? I don't have peace with God. There's never been a time in my life where I've, by faith, been made right with God through believing in the finished work of the cross of Christ. This morning, my encouragement to you would be to repent of your sins and surrender your life to Jesus Christ. To allow him to save you, to change you, to give you peace with God. And through that peace, then it extends into our families and into this world as we have peace with one another. Peace not as the world gives, but only found in Christ. He is our peace. Be obedient this morning.